Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We exist to become witnesses to God's new creation so that every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus. We believe that as a family of servant missionaries, we are empowered to participate in God's story because of the good news that King Jesus is making all things new. And for all of us, whether you like it or not, we are full swing into the Christmas season now. Some of you are like, how could people not enjoy it? Well, believe it or not, there are some people who don't enjoy all of the holiday festivities, but we are in it now, whether we like it or not. What's interesting about Christmas is that it's the only Christian holy day in the church calendar that is actually largely celebrated, not just in culture, but it's the biggest cultural celebration of the year. Think about that. The Christian holiday of Christmas, the celebration that the light of God has broken into our world, is the biggest secular holiday of the year. But what's interesting is that it bears little roots to what the truth of Christmas is about. But today, I'm not going to be talking about, oh, we need to bash culture and they've lost the meaning of Christmas. That's not at all what we're going to be talking about today. Today, I actually want us to examine the reality of how Christmas actually hits on core truths of the gospel itself and how Christmas actually exposes us. How Christmas is actually incredibly unsentimental, even though sentimentality is all us and our Hallmark movies think about Christmas. Today we're going to be looking at a passage from Isaiah 9. And what we're going to see, and what again, what I want to emphasize, is that there are these two realms of Christmas. There's this cultural side, and there's the side of the Christian faith. And what I want us to see is that the problem is not that we need to be offended that Rudolph is played more than joy to the world now. The problem is not that our Starbucks baristas now say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. No, those are not the biggest problems. The problem with Christmas is that we ourselves often are caught up into the same false, contrived sentimentality, thinking that this baby in a manger gives us some generic sense of peace on earth. Whereas the reality of Christmas is actually deeply offensive. It's actually deeply threatening in one sense to us. And that if we miss this, if we don't understand our own darkness, then the true light of Christmas will actually mean very little to us. So I'm going to ask Joe Turk. He's going to come up, and he is going to read um, our passage for us today, which is going to be Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Morning. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his gov government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Let's pray. Jesus, as we look at your word in the book of Isaiah, God, we do ask for help. God, I do pray for those of us who are here who maybe are already keenly aware of the darkness both in the world and in our own lives. I pray, God, that we would hear the spirit of Jesus himself speaking to us. God, I ask for your help as well in, this, uh, in these next minutes of just talking and trying to explain your word. Jesus, I pray that the good news of Jesus will become more clear to every man, woman, child through looking at this passage right now. Because of Jesus, we can pray this. Amen. So as we read in the passage, specifically in the opening verses, there is a darkness that the people of God and the world is dwelling in. And what's interesting is that this passage begins with darkness, but what is Christmas primarily known for? How do you know when Christmas is coming? You start to see lights everywhere. Christmas is known for the appearance of lights that often get, I mean, we're just like creeping earlier and earlier now. Like, can't even wait until Thanksgiving anymore. People are already going for it way before Thanksgiving. So you could say that one of the surest indications that Christmas is coming is that lights are shining. And interestingly enough, in the darkest time of the year. Lights are obviously pretty decorations. But if you think about it, lights are symbolic. Lights are symbolic because their presence indicates their need, that it's dark without them. So let's just talk about the darkness of the world. At the essence of the Christian faith is the singular reality that the world is dark, that it is wandering in darkness, that people apart from God cannot solve their problems. And I don't just mean even the darkness of people who are ignoring or are far from God. I mean the darkness that we ourselves carry. The darkness of our deep-set fears. The darkness of longing. The darkness of both sin, but also the darkness of lack. Of the things that we need and cry out to God for so desperately. And that's why for many of us, the darkest time of the year in Christmas is often the darkest part of time for our souls. And interestingly enough, as you already heard Krista share about, we're on week two of Advent. A time to look at lament and longing of, again, we often just think of Christmas as this triumphant celebration, but unless we really grab hold of where we are broken, where we are longing for God to break in, we will completely miss this, uh, the glory of what Advent is about. And again, just even thinking about this, this, this week two of Advent, it's acknowledging that darkness. This week alone, it was no coincidence, it's Definitely the kindness of the Holy Spirit. I spent time with two, probably three different friends, close friends, who asked if they could talk about where there was darkness in their life. The question of God, how long? God, when will you break in? God, how long until you answer this prayer? God, how long until you deliver me from this trial? The question, how long, O oh Lord? confronts us most deeply in the dark. But again, 
we think that, oh, well, it's Christmas, it's the lights, it's the Hallmark movies. We're just supposed to forget about all that, right? No. Built into the Advent season is a time to pause and reflect on that darkness. Even thinking about the language of the psalmist in Psalm 13 where he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How many of you have felt that already in this Christmas season? Again, the next line, how long will you hide your face from me? How many of you have felt that God is hiding his face from you? I would encourage you to reflect on that whole passage. We're going to keep going. For the people of God in Isaiah's time when Isaiah was writing, it was dark because God had been silent. God had been distant. God had allowed his people to live in the way that they wanted and to suffer the consequences for that. Look at verse two. They were a people who dwelt in a land of darkness. Their hope had been that the line of David was going to lead to the Messiah, but now all of those hopes seemed to be dashed. It had seemed that the mission of God himself had completely flamed out. Do you feel that in your life? Does it seem that God has stopped speaking to you? Do you feel that God is allowing you to suffer consequences or is punishing you right now? In this dark time, does it seem that God has removed his comforts that you otherwise would normally experience? What's interesting is even for those who would reject Christianity, they still have to wrestle with these questions. That in this dark time, when the normal pathways of life and joy come to a halt, and we're made to sit in darkness, what do we do with that? How do we fix the darkness? Let's, let's think about that for a second now. How, what do we do with this darkness? Before we just jump into saying, well, Jesus comes into the darkness. He does. But let's be honest with ourselves. What do we do with the darkness? We try to solve. We try to fix. We try to build. We, in our own ways, try to bring light to the darkness. We say, yes, it's dark, but we can overcome. So we dig in deep. We strive. We look at the darkness and we say, we have people who can fix all of these problems. We all, as individuals, in the groups that we most closely associate with, we seek to fix the darkness around us. So how do we overcome the darkness? Give you exhibit A. This is how we try to fix the darkness. We have our experts. We have our mystics. We have our scholars. For many of us, in our dark times, we look to Instagram. We look to YouTube. We look to celebrities. We look to Taylor Swift to give us answers, to give us joy. Call it your favorite diet or fitness planner. Call it your favorite Instagrammer, your favorite podcaster, your favorite news commentator, your favorite budget person, your Jordan Petersons, your Joe Rogans, your Megan Kellys, your AOCs, your favorite musicians. All of these people and many others are offering us a way out of the darkness. A way to rethink about your problems. Oh, you're in a tough season? You just need to think about it this way and then you'll get through it. How many of us do that without even thinking about it? And after all, it's the American way, right? Pull up your bootstraps and just overcome. For some, they primarily look to the state. For some, they look to the market. For all of us, we're always looking to technology to overcome, to rescue. 
The New York Times brilliantly sums up how Christmas helps us figure this out. The New York Times writes this, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will all be able to put together a world of unity and peace. I mean, kind of sounds good, right? Kind of, I mean, almost sounds Christian, right? That if we can really just work hard, we can overcome poverty, we can overcome injustice, we can overcome violence. If we just, you know, work together, right? We can do it, right? Again, Think about that. All around us, that type of verbiage is offered as a rallying cry, especially during Christmas, that we can fight the darkness. Friends, it sounds good. I would love to even imagine that that could be true. But friends, even as these things and those people on the previous screen, even as they are offering us that type of hope in the darkness, they expose the reality that deep down, every one of us thinks we can save ourselves. That's why we look to those people. That's why we say, well, I'm in a really tough season, but if I just do this, that'll get me out of it. I'll be able to overcome. I just need more knowledge. I just need to work hard in a new way. Friend, you are trying to save yourself through our attempts at unity, through intellect, through technology, through government, through American resilience. We can build, grow, and transform the darkness. But friends, the message of Christmas is the antithesis of that. The message of Christmas is that the dark is so bad, you needed somebody completely from outside of you to break in. A force from outside of our world had to enter in, had to become part of it, and had to show us that our self-salvation efforts actually indict us even more. If you don't believe that, then I hate to tell you the real message of Christmas doesn't have much to offer you. So if the message of Christmas is not about overcoming through human achievement, then what is the message and the hope and the light of Christmas actually about? Let's look at that. What is the real message of Christmas? Christmas, in essence, is about the confrontational and threatening and offensive reality that in yourself you really are hopeless. In yourself, you truly are hopeless. Without someone breaking in, without someone giving you light, even without your permission, you are hopeless. How's that for a holiday greeting card announcement? The real message of Christmas is the unsentimental reality that though we cannot make the world a better place through our effort, there is nevertheless hope. There is hope because a different light has broken into our darkness. Go back to Isaiah 9. Look at that passage that we heard read. Isaiah is using light as a symbol. Light reveals, light illuminates. Light doesn't lie, but it shows us reality. So how has this light broken into the darkness? Look at verses 6 and 7. The light has dawned through a child who was born. And through a child who was given the very names of God himself. Again, we just read that passage and for us, a child is born. Here's what his names are going to be. Friends, those are names exclusively given to God alone. So who then is this child? 
This is telling us that God himself, the creator, will become one of his creatures to bring light. That that is how he will bring light. And he's not just going to be one of his creatures, but look at the names again. Look at those names listed. This is what kind. This is how he will accomplish. And we see that through the names given. He will be one who can counsel. Which, have you ever got counsel from somebody who can't relate to you? It's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Those people should not be offering counsel. But someone who is a really good counselor can really relate. He's going to be a really good counselor. He will be the mighty God. Not just God, but the mighty God who is strong enough to kick out the darkness. He will be the truest of fathers. He will be the one who's the Lord of peace. Do you see what Isaiah is doing here by listing out these names for this child? He's saying that the child to be born will be one who will accomplish all that we ourselves are trying to accomplish by finding hope in other ways in the darkness. He himself, this child, is going to do that work. And this is where it's just interesting that we talk about, oh, let's celebrate Jesus. And in one sense, I know what we mean by that. But friends, you don't just celebrate Jesus. You either trust him or you reject him. It's that simple. There's no celebration of Jesus as some distant, oh, well, he gives us peace. No, you either trust him or you reject him. And this is what's so interesting about the Christian faith. And this is, again, where the essence of Christmas highlights that. For those of you who maybe you're here and you are unsure about Christianity, maybe you're here and you're just curious, maybe you would define yourself as a seeker. Well, is there God? Maybe there is. I'll explore. I'll be curious. If that is you, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you wanted to spend a Sunday morning with us. But I would ask you to really consider this point about Jesus, about what Christmas actually highlights. The fact that Christianity is so distinct amongst other cultures, other religions, other worldviews. Listen to what our friend Tim Keller writes. He says, There's no other religion that says that God has suffered, that God had to be courageous, that he knows what it is in life to be abandoned by friends, to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and die. Christmas shows that he knows what you're going through. Man, that's a good counselor. That's a mighty God. When you talk to him, he understands. Friends, Christmas is showing us who Jesus is. Jesus is not someone to be, quote, celebrated for how cute and kind he is. Jesus is to be trusted because he's proven his commitment to us, to you and to me. Christmas shows us what we call here at Redemption the beauty of Jesus. That though he had the status of being one with God, that he was the truest of princes and kings, he entered our darkness and sat in it. He didn't just do a, a passing quick through this earth. No, Jesus came and dwelt among us and he absorbed the darkness until it killed him. Think about that. That's how this God has overcome the darkness. He absorbed it until it killed him on the cross. And then when it was at his very last breath, do you know what he said about the darkness and about the work that had to be done? The work that each of us try to do in so many different ways to overcome our darkness. You know what Jesus said about that? 
Work's done. It's finished. So when you hear us, again, this is something that we regularly talk about here at Redemption. We talk about the beauty of Jesus. And you might be like, that's a weird way to put it. What's the beauty of Jesus? Something that's beautiful is not a duty. Something that's beautiful is satisfying in and of itself. I want you to think about that. Something beautiful is not a duty. It is something satisfying in and of itself. And so, in Jesus, we see someone so satisfying, so strong, so perfect, so full of grace that it's not our duty to follow him. And this is why, in light of the beauty of Jesus, all the other things that we look to for rescue actually can fall away. All the other things that give us hope or rescue or longing or comfort or power or approval, we see all of those things are less beautiful than this one. So in this Christmas season, and we're going to wrap up here, as we seek to trust Jesus, as we seek to follow him, how do you partake of this light that he offers you? For you, whether you've been following Jesus for years, whether you are just considering following Jesus, how do we all receive and partake in this light? Well, we've already seen it's not going to be through our efforts. It's not going to be through our work. It will not be through our cunning. It won't be through just being positive and keep plugging along. Oh, I just got to, you know, just got to keep going. I'll get through it eventually. No. We partake in the true light of Jesus when we realize that it can only be received. We partake in the true light of Jesus when we realize it can only be received. This gift of gifts can only be given and you can just receive it. Can't be earned, can't be worked for. It's all of grace. There's no exchange system with God. There's no, God, I'm doing my best. God, I'm trying really hard. Just this week I had a conversation with someone who was telling me about a situation with someone and they said, well, if you were to die today, why do you think that God would bring you into his throne room? Why do you think God would bring you into new, his new creation? The person said, well, because I'm trying really hard. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm trying to be a good person every day. Do you hear the sinister nature of that? That is not grace. That is God, I've done my part. Now you let me in. Friends, that is the opposite of the Christian faith. We approach Jesus on behalf of his work for us because of what he has done for us. Look at what Isaiah says. He, look at verse five. It speaks of warfare. It speaks of the weapons and tools of war, tools for battle, tools for overcoming. And it says what's gonna happen to all those tools of accomplishment? What does it say? It's boots and garments and things that would normally be in blood from work and battle and fighting. What happens to those things? They get burned up. the weapons of accomplishment that we would use are not what is needed. This is saying that the victory is not gonna demand our strength because someone else is gonna do the fighting. And friends, in Jesus, we have one who's already done the fighting. So we become partakers of this light by realizing, believing, learning to increasingly let go of our work for God and seeing what Jesus has done on our behalf. So, Right now for you, where do you need the light of Jesus? 
right now in this season? Where are you looking for solutions for your own darkness? Where do you think you need to repent of those things? And also, who's Jesus sending you to? Who do you know in your world who's in darkness? Maybe someone who's actually far from God. Maybe someone who actually does believe in Jesus, but is actually in a really dark season. Do you realize that you are sent to them? We receive by admitting it's undeserved. We receive by realizing that we can only be partakers. So for those of you who wrestle, questioning why is God silent? Why is God distant from me? Friends, what's the groundwork for your standing with God? What's the grounding? It is. It's Jesus. But often the darkness exposes our efforts. The darkness exposes where we are trusting in ourselves to overcome instead of throwing ourselves on Jesus. So this Christmas season, Redemption Church, as we continue to walk through Advent in these coming weeks, let's realize that the darkness can be overcome, that the darkness is overcome through Jesus. But the true light of Jesus is not as glorious unless we really are convinced of our utter desperation for it. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church podcast. To learn more about our kingdom ministry located in Chesapeake, Virginia, visit weareredemption.org.